I like that song. <laughs> his blood and his righteousness, that's our dress. That's what we wear. That's a pretty thing. <laughs> All right, brethren, Exodus chapter 1. I just want to go through this this morning. Uh, I won't have you turn anywhere and make some comments. That's just beautiful to me. That's Brother Paul got up one time there in Virginia on their Wednesday night, and they just read First Thessalonians. And that, he said it was a great blessing. <laughs> I like to hear the word read sometimes. But uh, I want to look here at this first chapter of Exodus. and We may be going through the book of Exodus, and but we'll see what the Lord has already prepared ahead of time. Uh, I'd like that. I enjoy this book greatly. And it, this first chapter is just beautiful to me. And I think it will be for you too. Exodus means departing. Exodus means going out. You're somewhere and you're going someplace else. And this is important. This is really, really important. Our Lord makes mention of this over and over and over again. He says, I'm the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. He reminds us a lot of times throughout his scripture of this event. If it's that important to him, it ought to be very important to us too, shouldn't it? Here in chapter 1, we're going to see a picture of, of the Lord's people, his spiritual Israel and sons of Jacob, made needy. He makes us needy. He does this. He makes us needy, and then the Lord, through the preaching of the gospel, through his servants, gives life. And then he preserves us to the end, to our expected end. That seems pretty simple, don't it? That's what, we, that's what we're seeing here. That's what's here in Exodus 1. Egypt's pictures the world and these sons of Jacob his his offspring that's the Lord's people because he's faithful that's why we're not consumed we're not consumed in this Egypt that we live in this Egypt that we are we're born of Adam in, and he brings us out and all that is to his glory it's his doing and he gets the praise for it now how is that going to happen physically for the children of Israel to be brought out of Egypt it's going to happen physically the same way it happened spiritually for his spiritual Israel to be brought out of Egypt. Over in Exodus 23, it says, Behold, I send an angel, it's a capital A, angel, before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. He said, I prepared a place and I'm sending my capital A angel to get you out of there. Christ does it. You get that? He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. That's what he's done. And so this is a picture of that. Picture of it. Now let's look here at these first seven verses. Exodus 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. Every one of them that we've been looking at for several months now, now they're all dead. The Lord brought, brought them to Egypt, and now they're all dead. And the children of Israel, verse 7, were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Who is this about? 
Who is the Lord speaking of? The children of Israel. Who's that? The children of Jacob. The sons of Jacob, isn't it? God's loved people. He said, Jacob, have I loved. This is who this is about. He said, the Lord appeared unto me old, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. I brought you out. I brought you out. We're not physically in Egypt right now. <laughs> but this picture is given to us, shows the Lord bringing us out, giving us life. With loving kindness, he draws his people. Who? All that are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what we talked about last hour a little bit. All the names written in that book. When was that Lamb's book of life written? From the foundation of the world, wasn't it? Here's a, here's a hard question for most people. Let's just get you down to brass tacks. Who wrote that book? God did. We weren't around. Isn't that an amazing thing? Doesn't that, isn't that contrary? Isn't that against the stream of, of everything that we were taught growing up by our parents or the world or what everybody on the street says? There's names in the book. People know that. Oh, who wrote them? The Lord did. It's his book. When? From the foundation of the world. Long time ago, wasn't it? Verse 7 says, The children of Israel were fruitful. They were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. That's all over the place. What did they increase abundantly with? What was they multiplied with? It got so mighty. Peter said, but grow in grace. Grow. Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in him. Grow in him. That's how you end it, Second Peter. Grow in him. Grow in grace. What do the Lord's people grow in? Grace. And we grow in knowledge. And we grow in understanding. As we age, just as a physical person does. You get older, you're like, well, I've been through a couple of El Ninos, and I've been through some hot spells. I've been through some recessions. <laughs> You've been through this a couple more times than I have. and uh, We've getting, we got a little patience with this now. Is there anything different spiritually? Lord grows us, we're babes. We, if we're left alone, we're done for. Right? And he keeps us, and he nurtures us, and he feeds us with milk, sincere milk of the word. And as we grow in grace and knowledge and understanding of Christ, we start settling down a little bit, start calming down. So this is of the Lord, don't we? But we, got, we ain't going to grow without milk. We ain't going to grow without that food coming into us. We grow in that, and we grow abundantly and increased abundantly in fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. That means there's good works. Oh, they're out there feeding the poor and handing out Bibles and tracts and all that stuff. No, what's, what, what's God? That's what we think of fruit. What's God say fruit of the Spirit is? Love. Joy, being happy. It's raining outside. Well, the Lord sends rain. That's all right. Calm down. He gave us a roof too, didn't he? An umbrella. Let's start being happy about things. They're, they're, they grow in fruit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering because the Lord's been long-suffering to us. Well, he put up for me. Maybe I can put up a little bit. Gentleness. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. And there ain't no law against that. Do it all you want. You want to do it more? I do. <laughs> I do. I want to grow them fruitful. Who does this happen to? Sons of Jacob. Those cheats. Those liars. Those rebels. The ones that need a lamb. And they multiplied and they waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. Filled with them. This, this whole 
This whole shooting match started out with one fella, didn't it? Adam. Adam. How many people's on Earth? Nine billion or something? Eight billion? That's a lot. That's that's growing mightily, isn't it? What 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 happened? He's by himself, and his side was wounded, and a bride was made. He put life in her, and that's how we all got here. The first Adam, wasn't it? Physically, that's how this took place. What happened spiritually? There was the second Adam, all by himself, and his side was pierced for his bride. And now his people are like the sands of the sea, stars in the sky. You, I don't know how many there are. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> However many he's died for, that's how many there are. Who's this about? Sons of Jacob. What's happening? The Lord's going to bring them out in power. In power. And there will be no question whatsoever. They didn't save themselves. And the Egyptians didn't save them. And Pharaoh didn't do it. It's going to be absolutely evident. Hands down the Lord did this. Physically. Spiritually, nothing's different. Nothing's different. We'll be brought to a place. If we did something, we did it. We're going to be brought, if the Lord's going to save us, he's going to prove to us he did it. Period. We had no other option. Where's all this taking place? Egypt. Who? Sons of Jacob. What? Coming out. Where? Egypt. That's where we are right now. If he's going through the roof, I'd say, this is Moab. <laughs> but we're going to Exodus. This is Egypt. It's where we live. Verse 8 says, now there arose up a new king. That's lowercase king. There rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. The children of Israel, the sons of Jacob, they've always had a capital K king. The Lord's been their king, always has been. He's on his throne. But in this world that we live in, there's leaders and there's rulers that are over us that do not know the Lord. They don't know. Remember, we've been looking at Joseph as a type of Christ and all this. There's the bulk of all the leadership on this earth does not know God. But they're over us. How can we deal with such a thing? Get out the boat. <laughs> no. We know that we look to our Lord, right? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and just like a river of water. And boy, we've seen water cutting through this place quick. That the places it looks like rivers that they weren't rivers last week, taking roads out. And just like the, the Lord moves water where he wants, he turns the hearts of the kings however he wants to. He put them there, didn't he? There's a prince of this world. He thinks he's ruling everything, but he does not know Joseph. He does not know our Lord. Verse 9. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on. Let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also our, unto our enemies and fight against us. So we get them up out of the land. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. They're, they're making, they're making pro provisions for something that has no indication of happening at all. <laughs> we see the skies at night, pink skies, and we know whether to get an umbrella or not. We can discern the skies. There's nothing to discern here. Just a guilty conscience. Who's mad at who? Now think about this. It's important. Who's mad at who? Is Israel mad at Egypt or is Egypt mad at Israel? Israel's a quiet people. There's a bunch of them, but they're kind and they're meek and they're long-suffering and they're hard-working. 
So they put in a good day's work. They don't give nobody no problems. But Israel's, or uh, Egypt's mad at Israel. Ain't they? I heard a, a billionaire that's talked to him. Uh, if he ain't a billionaire, he's close. But he started out at a, at a business. He was working there, and he slept there at the business. And all the people come in and out, and they said, man, you're, you're doing good, and you're saving a lot of money, and it's just, we, boy, we just hope the best for you, you know, and they were supporting him and so kind to him. Well, he ended up buying that business, and then he bought five more just like him down the street. And then he sold those six businesses, and he bought about 35 of them, and he was in the money. He was doing good. And he saw them same people, and they said, oh, big boss man. Oh, you're going to talk to us? Huh? Just picked on him and was mean to him and didn't like him. But they were supporting him a couple years ago. What happened? He didn't change. He said, you know, people want you to do well, but just not better than them. That's so physically, right? That's so. People start doing good. Others jealous and envious, and they start cutting. Well, I would never do such a thing. No, you won't do such a thing, or you can't. That's why you're mad about it. That's all it is. What happens spiritually? The Lord saves the people and gives them a new heart. And, and they have a drive. And this, this gospel is more important than other things. And, and the Lord makes us build our lives around this gospel. And people don't like that. I had an uncle calling me this morning. I couldn't answer it. I'm going to worship the Lord today. I'll get ready for that. I'll talk to him later. And they get mad. Why didn't he answer? That's so. This shows us that this world is not the friend of God's people. Even though we benefit them greatly. We benefit them greatly. It says in verse 11, Therefore did they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. There's two big old cities they made up just to put all the, the, the goods of Egypt in. Storehouses. You know where they are now? Pile of rocks. <laughs> this world's so worried about heaping up, heaping up riches to themselves and comfort and and, and all these things, it's temporary. It's all going to burn. But they were, <clears throat> verse 12, but the more they afflicted them, the more that Egypt afflicted Israel, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. That's just precious, isn't it? The more they were afflicted, the more they grew. I want to write that down on my refrigerator and look at it every day. And every time I feel so sorry for myself and I'm hurt or I'm sad or I'm grieving or anything, the more they were afflicted, the more they grew. Egypt? No. God's people. Israel. That's just so. We understand that physically. If you want big muscles, you want to get stronger, you want to grow, you have to damage those muscles, right? You have to lift something heavy and there's fibers are going to tear and it's going to build back and, and be stronger and bigger, right? Growing in grace is absolutely no different. It's not. Growing in wisdom is absolutely no different. You want, you want good wisdom? God's going to have to be rough on us. What we call rough. It's great mercies. It's kindness. It's what it is. It's tenderness. But we think it's so rough. And if we want to grow in grace, the Lord's going to have to be hard on us. Take us through those, those stormy waters and teach us. People down there in that harbor know that good sailors ain't made in calm, calm weather. Good sailors are made in storms, ain't they? Well, it's going to have to get stormy. And the more we're afflicted, the more we're going to multiply and grow. Paul had said that. He had, a, he had that thorn in the flesh. And, and three times he begged the Lord, just take us from me. How, how bad was it? Bad enough for him to call out to the Lord three times. 
take this from me. He was busy. His mind wasn't on those things. His mind was on preaching and going around taking care of these churches. And he had something that bothered him. And the Lord talk, spoke to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You're weak, Paul. I made you weak. That way I'm your strength. This is a good thing. That's not kind, Kevin. Take it up to God. That's what he said. This is a good thing. And then Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How did these keep growing? Christ was resting on them. Because he sent the trial. He squeezed them. And then what's what we looked at this multiple times, right? What's the outcome of a trial God sends? We're going to look to Christ. Is that it? Keep a trial on us, Lord, till it accomplishes your purpose, and we see him high and lifted up. And that kept happening for these brethren. And they grew. Did it tear them down? No. Did their bodies break down? Yeah, probably. They had knee braces and everything else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they got old and they died. Not in heart they didn't. Not in heart. Paul said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Good. Good. In reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And Christ is the very present help in our time of need. We're going to have to be needy. We're going to be in a time of need for we'll call out to him. And there he is. Just like that provenient mercy. Right? He's already there. <laughs> he was waiting on us the whole time. That's growing in Christ. I've never heard that on television. Uh, <laughs> I never heard that on a radio message. This is a precious thing. We believe these things. The Lord's taught us this. That's a precious thing. He's grew us to make us understand this. Verse 12 says, but they were more afflicted, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And the Egypt, they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Who was really going to afflict and burden Israel? Was this Pharaoh's doing? Mean old wicked Pharaoh? Was that them mean old wicked Egyptians? Mean old corporate Egypt? They're coming down hard on Israel? This is the Lord's doing. The Lord's doing this. At the end of 400 years later, the Lord said, Pharaoh, I've raised you up to show my power. I put you on what you think is your throne just to show my might. This is the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's doing this to bring them out and for him to be glorified for it. He gave them taskmasters hard on them for his glory. That makes a, that makes a struggle a lot more easier to bear, isn't it? This is for God's glory. Well, what if God's in it? Maybe he's in it. If it's happening, he's in it. <laughs> let's, let's get that question out, out of the, you think the Lord's in this yes <laughs> he's on his throne isn't he it will be for his glory Paul wrote that in Romans 13 he said let every soul be subject to the higher powers for there's no power but of God and the powers that be are ordained of God that means absolutely everybody the sheriff of San Diego County those police officers writing tickets out there uh, our governor our president uh, whoever the Lord put them there and he said, if you resist those things, you're resisting God. I need to read that often, don't I? He said, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they're God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Well, it don't look like it, does it? <laughs> Lord says, you're holy. It don't look like that either, does it? But we believe him. We believe that's for our good. They don't bear the sword in vain. He said, render therefore all dues, tribute to whom tributes do, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Be polite to them. The Lord put them there. Pay your taxes. Don't cheat. <laughs> That's fine. Render under Caesar's what Caesar's. It's got his image on it. Give it to him. That's all right. 
God's on his throne. In preventing mercy, prevenient mercy, the Lord sent famine to bring those 11 and Jacob to Joseph, didn't he? To bring those 70 out and, and he made them hungry. To bring them to the sun and he put them in Goshen. It's just the best land that there was. And you know what happened? They forgot. They got started thinking they did pretty good and they had been tried and they were successful and they were faithful. And so the Lord sent them another problem, didn't he? The Lord <clears throat> turned to the heart of Pharaoh in this preventing mercy just to draw his people out. And, and being made miserable enough to cry to the Lord for mercy is a blessing from God. It's so. Being brought down to have absolutely nothing but Christ is a beautiful place to be. That's God being merciful and gracious to us. It is. Verse 13 says, And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, with hard, hard labor, manual labor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them to serve was with rigor. You know, we live in this world and we work in this world. And it's hard. It's hard. You have to go out in this wicked world and, and, and it seems like a, a moral or ethical decision has to be made every single day. And that's tough. I understand it. But this is for our Lord's kingdom. We're not working for the man. We're not working for a corporation. We're working for the Lord. Now, they might be, they might be cutting the checks every other Friday, but we're working for him as children are. And Colossians 3 says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men. Now those men are there, but we're working towards the Lord. If we're sleeping floors or doing whatever, we're sleeping Lord's floors, ain't we? Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You're going to receive him. He's already saved us. Uh, I have an expected end. <laughs> so between now and then, if i got to sweep some floors, sweep them. He gave it for me to do. That's what's put in our hand. We just don't like that, do we? If the Lord puts something in our hand to do, we want to do something different. Like, well, I, I can do this and I can help over there. Yeah, but the Lord gave me this to do. <laughs> We've got to do that. He'll make us faith. He'll make us profitable servants. Here's a wonderful example of living in a world and serving God. Living in this Egypt and serving God. Verse 15. And the king of Egypt spake unto the Hebrew, to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shepharah and the other Pua. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. And I thought, well, I wonder why the Lord named these two midwives. That was probably a bunch of midwives, right? There's a whole mess of people here. There wasn't just two of them. Maybe he's the head two. And why would he mention that? Well, Shepharah means brightness. And pua means glittering or sparkling. That's what those angels were called. One is the head, one is the foot, right? Sparkling and glittering. On that fourth day, the Lord created the lights in the firmament in heaven, one by day and one by night, and to give us signs and seasons and years and show us these things. And I remember looking then, that's the Lord's messengers. That's what they are. They're just a, a star, just reflecting the light of Christ and... Uh, I always think of Tom Harding when I think of that. There's shooting stars. It's loud and bright and colorful and flashing. They fizzle out, don't they? And then there's twinkling stars that just stay up there just nonstop. Like, I don't think you're a real star. It don't matter. I don't like the way you're twinkling. It don't matter. They just sit there and just keep twinkling and twinkling and twinkling and twinkling, don't they? Just giving the light. 
That's what these two midwives represent here. The king of Egypt, that pictures Satan. These two midwives, God's servants, God's preachers. And he's made every one of us kings and priests, hasn't he? All of us. And Satan does not want the sons of God to be born. He wants to prevent that new birth by any means necessary. Just get them to stop. Get them to stop. It would, it would please Satan more than anything to get the Lord's servants to stop doing what they're doing. Just quit, quit. You're not the one that's given life, but you're the one that's there. You're the means. Just quit it. Do something else. Why not the daughters? Well, in this context, we're called the sons of God, men and women. Okay? In other places, I'm a king's daughter. Did you know that? I've said that before. Cameron's got a little bit of a head start on me. I'm going to be a bride one day. <laughs> I don't understand all that, but it's so, right? And we've been called the bride of Christ, and we're called the king's daughters, and we're called sons. But in this context, <clears throat> all, all of the Lord's people are the sons of God. And in many other places, uh, women serve the Lord mightily and a lot and here too that's who it's speaking of these midwives but here the daughters represent a false church it represents that whore of babylon and that's the, the satan the king saying that new creation that god does kill it don't let that happen but but that lie that that one will go along with anything that's fine let that keep going but the lord doesn't save through a lie does he he saves through the truth in verse 16, it says, And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, you shall kill him. And if it be a daughter, then she shall live. That's what uh, our great enemy, Satan, told Eve in the garden, wasn't it? If you eat this, you can be like God. You can discern and you can perceive and you can judge the difference between right and wrong. You'll know those things. Hmm. Verse 17 says, But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. Why did they do that? Because they feared God and they had to. They had to. <clears throat> it says in Acts 4, They called them and commanded them not to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. He said, Quit it. That's how the Lord's given life. <laughs> Same thing that happened there at Exodus, happened in Acts 4. You stop that, quit preaching that. Now you can preach some other things. You can say those nice things, but don't you say that. And Peter and John answered and said, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God, judge ye. You think I ought to listen to you? You think I ought to listen to God? I'm listening to God. He said, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We have to tell the truth. We have to be the Lord's witnesses. All we do is say, You remember? 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 It's already done. It ain't going to change. Something ain't going to be different tomorrow. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. That's what Paul said, wasn't it? Woe unto me. We know it. We have to. A midwife does not give life. They didn't create life, and they don't prevent it. They just catch babies, don't they? That's their job. <laughs> Maybe feed it a little bit or clean it up when it comes out, wrap it up in something, but they just catch a baby. Pastors don't give life. Praise be to God, we can't prevent it either. I'm thankful for that. And we don't know when this is going to happen. And we just wait. And we keep thinking, just like a man next to his wife said, I think today's the day. I think we're having a baby today. I've heard faithful men throughout time say, I think this message is it. I think God's going to save his people today. It's going to, be one. It's going to bless them. He's going to comfort them. He's going to cause people out. I know it. I know it. 
And we just serve the best we can. We just keep hot water and towels around. That's all we do. <laughs> Verse 18, And the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have ye done this thing? And why have you saved the million children alive? You didn't do what I told you to do. Well, I ain't here on your business. But they didn't pitch a fit, though, did they? They didn't announce it. They just didn't drown those boys. This is beautiful. And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference. I heard a man say one time that women couldn't enter into higher theological doctrine. And I said, that may be your experience, but not from a, the daughters of God I know. <laughs> they, they know a lot. The Lord's taught them. We're all taught of God, ain't we? And that, that may be your Egyptian women, not these, not these Hebrew women. They're different. They ain't like your women. These are God's women. For they are lively, lively. And are delivered ere the midwives coming to them. We went there to help them deliver the baby. We showed up and the baby's already there. I didn't even know what happened. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to do something different. Lord did it. Lord did it. That's what they're saying. They're lively. Lively. You know what that means? Vigorous. They're vigorous. Does that mean they're the Lord's daughters and, and sons and everything else are uh, uh, industrious people? Yes, they are. They're hardworking, good people and they're lively. And they're happy and joyous and all those things. But remember where Jacob was buried? Machpelah in the field of Mamre, in the field of vigor. God's put life in them. And where God puts life, you can't extinguish it. These women ain't like other women. This bride of Christ ain't like other brides. There's life in them and you can't do nothing about it, Pharaoh. Sorry. I showed up and it's already done what the Lord told Nicodemus. The wind bloweth where it lifts us, and now hears the sound thereof. There's something out here, baby's crying, but I can't tell you where it came, and I can't tell you where it's going next. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. I, I shoot arrows. I told you that Wednesday night. Those arrows are sharp, I know, because I've been stuck with them. But I shoot them per adventure, just pull them back and sling it. Because anytime I think, I've, I've thought of things, people, I thought, this will really bless somebody, and they really need to hear this. And then every time, they're not there. Something comes up. There's a flood or flat tire. I don't know. Something happens. Little that happens. And then people, I didn't think, like, I didn't think that affected anybody at all. They're like, that was exactly what I needed. That was wonderful. It's like you got cameras turned on in my house. Like, I didn't know that. I just showed up and there's a baby there. <laughs> you see? These midwives, they didn't protest. They didn't make up signs. And they didn't go down and give a bunch of attitude. They didn't pitch a fit. And they didn't get angry with Pharaoh. Fearing God... They simply said the Lord separated them from their mother's womb. And we just showed up. We just brought the water. That's all we did. That's what Paul said too. Well, now this doesn't change. Yesterday, today, and forever. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, that physically happened, and he called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. Same way that happened, the, the, the physical life mirrors spiritual life a lot. Isn't it? We didn't know when it was going to happen. <laughs> it just happened. We can't undo it. Verse 19. The midwife said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they're lively and are delivered ere the midwives come unto them. Therefore, because of this, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mightily. God dealt well with them. Well with them. He says, My good and faithful servants, and we said, when, when we have been good and faithful? He said, oh, you fed me and you sold me. When was you in prison? I never, what are you talking about, Lord? He said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. 
That's what he said, wasn't it? And he dealt well with us. He's dealt well with all of us. And the people multiplied because of that. Because of that countenance, like we read there at the end of Acts 2, because of meeting house to house and being joyful in this community and stuff like that, that's, that's how the Lord calls his people, to add to the church daily. That's what it says. That's the context of it, right? And because of this, like, well, the Lord did it. We're happy about it. This is right. Like I told you last year, our family's got this horrible trial on them. And they said, no, this is good. Lord sent this. We'll see Christ in it. Maybe not yet, but he'll come. Lord's going to add this church daily because of that. Be multiplied and wax very mighty. That was the very thing that Pharaoh and the Egyptians were mad about in the first place, wasn't it? We got to snuff these people out. And what the, the actions they took, and it seems so detrimental, it sounds terrible, is exactly what multiplied them. Nebuchadnezzar says, He doth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Stop him. Make this stop. You can't. You can't. What's this picture to us? The very act of Christ hanging on that cross. The devil's thinking, I got him now. Now we're going to extinguish him. That's the very thing that made his people lively. That gave them vigor that, and, and gave him all the glory for doing so. The very thing. Verse 21. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God, he made them houses. Now, the first time I read that, I thought, what in the world does that have in context to do with anything? <laughs> Just physically, you know what I mean? Like, is it renting a place? I don't know. Why did the Lord make houses for them? They're just delivering babies. What does that have to do with birth and, birth and babies? It took me a little while. The Lord spoke to those apostles in John 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's why I spoke to the hearts of these midwives at me. In my father's house are many mansions. We've got a whole bunch of dwelling places. Same here. Them houses, dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Like I said, they were needy because they were under taskmasters, right? And the Lord sent servants to give them life. Now, the, the servant didn't give life, but through their, the, the means of that work, that's what they were given. These children are born. New life was created. And then in preservation, the Lord says, I'll make them houses. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Remember what that place was? A place of reconciliation. A place of atonement against the holy God we offended. And that's Christ's work. He said, I'm going to make you a place. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What a thought. What did they do? Nothing. They said, baby's already born when I got there. <laughs> Lord did it. And he said, I'll make a place for you. Well done. Good. Verse 22 says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, not just the midwives, he told everybody, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. All of Israel, all the sons of Jacob, are going to be cast into the waters of death. We're going to physically die one day, aren't we? And we were in those waters of death in Adam. That's what we came into. And out of all these sons of God, all of these here pictured, they're going to be brought out of Egypt because one son was cast into the waters. We're going to get to that, Lord willing, next week. Next chapter. Moses was cast in. But he didn't die, did he? 
He's still alive. And because of that one Moses cast into the waters that still lived, that was the means the Lord used to bring his people out. You know what Moses means? Drawing out. Drawing out. The Lord said with loving kindness, I've drawn you. I've drawn you. How are we going to come out? Hmm. One was cast into the river of death and is alive. You get that? Christ, he, he bore that death for us spiritually. He bore that punishment, that wrath that we deserved. And because he lives, we live in him. I hope that's a blessing to you. That's a lot better than uh, a genealogy and some midwives getting put out of a job. <laughs> there's a need, there's a need provided for, and there's preservation. I pray we can see those things often. All right. Thank you, Brother Mike. Of myself. Uh, Trevor, would you and Cass come hand out the elements?